morning, everyone, and welcome to all of you who are joining us here live at the Yogananda Amphitheater and those of you who are joining online. This is our first group gathering. Uh, we are following very strict protocol just for those watching online. Every face that I'm looking at has a mask on and people are, are sitting uh, six feet apart. So uh, it's, but it's a joy to be able to be together. And um, the service for those, as we said, people have arrived later. Uh, there are so many responsive parts of this service, the prayer, the chanting, the affirmation, the voice of God. And we're just asking you, see how powerful you can make it in your own heart. And uh, rather than saying it out loud. And uh, this is, you know, we're trying to create a new model. We're lucky here because we're somewhat protected. But in some of our urban centers, they're also going to be trying. So let's really set a high standard of how it can be done. So having said that, let's begin. First song, we're going to sing um, Come Gather Round. And isn't it wonderful? I mean, who would have thought the words come gather would ever have so much meaning? <laughs> so we sing it with great joy. Come gather round, let joy sing out today. Dawn now is breaking, and the mountains say, it's only light can make the darkness run. Lift up your head, greet the rising sun. Mm -hmm. Greet the rising sun. Some people think to harvest happiness by weeding troubles, easing every stress. Trouble is that troubles never end. Get rid of one and you face its friend. Mm, and you face its friend. It's in your heart the songs of joy resound. You'll hear what echoes. In the world around, wind on a hill sounds lonely if you're sad, free if you're free, cheerful if you're glad, mm, cheerful if you're glad. Friends, come with me. great souls. It's so nice to see you. And welcome to all those who are watching online. <clears throat> this week's topic from Rays of the One Light 
is how devotees rise. It's a good topic for us, isn't it? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Last week we asked the question, why do devotees fall? And we considered the downfall of Judas in this context. Jesus, <clears throat> in answer to Judas's criticism for allowing Mary to rub his feet with spikenard, a very costly ointment, said, The poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus is saying here that there is one supreme injustice that needs eradication. Poverty, yes, but not of a material kind. Poverty in the spiritual sense. Divine blessings are not common in this world. They are extraordinary. When they come, we should give them priority above every other consideration. Never allow a moment of inner joy, for instance, to be set aside for lesser duties. Divine attunement is our highest priority. As Lahiri Mahashaya, the guru of Yogananda's guru, said, to listen to the heart's inner sound, Om, <clears throat> Om which issues from the very center of our being, is man's highest duty. Mary, on this occasion, was not communing with inner in inner silence with Christ's spirit, as she had been when Martha urged Jesus to reproach her for not helping out in the kitchen. Many times, Mary this time was serving outwardly, but in a very different spirit from the restless fussing for which Jesus had reprimanded her sister Martha. Those who see a radical difference between the paths of action and meditation should understand this distinction. To serve in the right spirit is necessary, for only thereby can we overcome our karmic <coughs> tendencies toward restless activity. The important thing is that spirit be always inwardly focused that in everything we do, we act in loving service to the Lord. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, the state of freedom from action, that is, of eternal rest in the spirit, cannot be achieved without action. No one, by mere renunciation and outward non-involvement, can attain perfection. Whenever the Spirit of God descends upon you, however, remember the words of Jesus, Me, ye have not always with you. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. to be with you all this morning and 
to be able to share these great teachings with beautiful faces in front of me instead of just looking at a little red light on the camera, which you can do it for a while, but it grows old. So thank you all for the magnificent effort you've made to keep this community safe, and, and especially I just want to take a moment to thank Dr. Peter Van Houten, who has been our, yeah, let's give him, who has guided us in the importance of wearing masks, physical distancing, all these things, and more than any of that, just who has given his heart, and, and all those who serve at the clinic as well, Patricia and Laura and so many others who selflessly behind the scenes keep Master's World Brotherhood community going. So let's begin with a very powerful and beautiful reading from Whispers from Eternity. This is, I demand to return home. Impediments beware, flee my path. I am homeward bound through the long corridors of time, stumbling often into pits of error, then lifted out by thy unseen hand. I have walked painstakingly, discouraging darkness, barbed wire fences of habit, stony embankments of indolence, mountains of indifference, oceans of unfaithfulness, sirens of sense longing, may stand even now in my path, as if to prevent my onward march to thy palace. But a million kingdoms and sextillions of years of unblemished worldly happiness will never tempt me again to turn away from thee. Well, our topic this week is, one might say, the most important topic of our life. How do devotees rise? How do we grow spiritually? How do we get from where we are right now to where we want to be? And I think it's important to put it in context of last week's topic, how devotees fall. Because in that, there's a passage in the Gita which is so simple and yet really nails it of what happens, why we fall off the path. And it, it says few sentences. It was what we read last week. First, we, our mind dwells on objects of the senses. Then desires arise for interacting with those objects of the senses. Then, if they're not attained, anger and frustration comes. And on a certain level, they'll never be attained because the senses are not real. And even if we have that perfect meal or that perfect aged glass of wine, it, what does it do in the end? So there's always the frustration. This didn't do it for me. And from frustration, it uses the word infatuation, but I think a better word is obsession. Okay, maybe that bottle of wine will be even better, or maybe that person will really, really make me happy. And so we become obsessed, and we, from looking at sense objects, desire, anger and frustration, obsession. From obsession, thinking only this is going to do it for me, 
it says in the Gita, the forgetting of our higher self. Because we're no longer that one with God that sees everything equally. Now we're back down into what's in it for me. And then with forgetting of the higher self, we lose discrimination. What's true? What's real? What am I doing with my life? What, where do I really want to go? And then it concludes with loss of discrimination comes the annihilation of the spiritual life. Wow. It seems so simple, doesn't it? You start, and we're kind of, oh, that might be nice. Where do we end up? Annihilation of our spiritual life. So, that's where we ended last week. So, part two, how do devotees rise? And this is such a wonderful passage, and again, it's explained so simply that quoting the words of Christ, ye, uh, me you have not always. The poor, what's the poor? Yes, it's poverty and so forth, but really what it is is losing the richness of our Father's kingdom, which is our birthright, and just saying, okay, I'll settle for this, I'll settle for that. That's poverty. Poverty of selling your divine birthright for a few shekels, a few paltry things. And so how do we live in such a way that we remember? We remember, we don't lose consciousness of our awareness of our higher self. We don't lose discrimination. And so Swamiji talks about two paths. He talks about action and meditation. And he said, don't think they're contradictory because they both lead to the same end. Now, first with action, we need to be able to choose what is the right action. We can't not act. It says that that's the whole essence of the Gita. You have to act, but you have to choose. And in the last chapter of the Gita, chapter 18, there's this wonderful presentation of the difference between the three gunas, the sattva guna, which is elevating us towards God, raja guna, which keeps us in the washing machine of this world, keeps us agitated, and then tamaguna, that which pulls us back, that which pulls us off the path. And it's, it's so marvelous the way it's presented in this chapter 18, where Krishna is saying to Arjuna all the different, this is the nature of the sattvic influence in your life, the rajasic, tamasic. This is the nature of sattvic action and rajasic and tamasic. And I think in large part this is what Master, I'm speculating here, but where Master created his psychological chart because it, it really reflects this. But there's one section where it's, it said, what is sattvic understanding? What is understanding that's raising us towards God? It said, Sat, it surprised me. Sattvic understanding is that which knows what action to take and what action to refrain from. That's the highest kind of understanding, being able to choose, understanding which action is going to lead you into further bondage and what action is going to bring you towards freedom. And so we have to, and, and then to how it rolls out the others, what's rajasic understanding? The mind is in turmoil. It doesn't know. It can't figure out what's 
Dharma and what's a Dharma? Can't make that choice. That's the confused mind. That's where Arjuna starts off at the beginning of the Gita. I don't know what's right. I don't think it's right to fight this war. And then tamasic action reverses Dharma and a Dharma. So what what's night to the worldly man is day to the yogi. So oh wow, I'm gonna choose to just go every you know, every weekend to the bar and get drunk. That's freedom. I'm going to choose, even though things are on lockdown, I'm going to go out on the beaches of Florida on Memorial Day weekend. That sounds like fun. And you don't look at the ramifications of your actions. You've you're flipped it around. And so to begin using action to have God in your life, look at all your actions. Look at your speech. When I read that in the Gita, I started, it really affected me that understanding tells you what actions to take and what to refrain from. And I started thinking about my speech, my interaction with other people. And I thought, now if I say that, is that going to just get me in a dead-ended loop? Or is it going to get, go somewhere? And if I, no, I think that's just going to end up with more back and forth, back and forth. I think I won't say that. And then I, you just kind of move forward with a lot smoothness and freedom. So look at your actions. Look at the choices you're making. Is this going to bring me towards freedom? And if it's not, restrain from action. So that's the first point, how to choose. The second point on how action brings us closer to God is commitment. Whatever you do, put your heart into it. Forget yourself in it. You know, Master told Swamiji, your life is one of intense activity and meditation. And he said that secondarily. And Swami often chuckled a little about that. I think he kind of rude the fact that he had to be so active in this world. But if it was what his guru told him, he did it with everything he had. And, you know, sometimes people ask us, well, why... You know, why aren't I growing spiritually? Why am I always kind of on the sidelines? And you look at their life and you say, because you're not giving, you're not giving your life, your heart, in your actions. Look at what you're doing. It doesn't matter what it is. It's weeding herbs in the garden. It's caring for your children. It's whatever it may be. Weeding. I, I love to watch these young guys all over the community doing the the weeding and clearing. I mean, they're so, and I could name a few that especially stand out, they don't see anything but the weeds. You can tell you drive by and they're just there with the weeds. And I thought, that's the way to do it. That's the way that we use our action to free us from the need to act. And so, choose wisely. When you've made a choice that you feel is going to bring you towards freedom, then give it your whole heart. And then the third one is on how to keep God at the center of your life. That's essentially what Christ is saying. Me, the, the world you always will have, but me you will not always have. How do we keep God at the center of our actions? Well, we've talked about so far. But then the third point is to try to think of him in what you do. Yes, concentrate. But think, Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm cooking this dish, this dinner, with you in mind. 
I, whatever it may be, you know, again in the Gita it says, even a leaf if offered with devotion, I come and I accept. So don't worry if your position is humble or if it's a public position. God could care less, truly. We all know that. But if we're doing it with a sense of, God, this is for you. I am helping my friend, my friend who's maybe mentally confused now. I'm helping them for you. I'm creating a wonderful new market for people to come to in this community. I'm doing it for you. And you feel that here at Ananda Village. I have to say, everywhere I look, I just see people consciously serving God in whatever it is they're doing. So that's how we can look at our action. Choose wisely, commit, and then make sure that your God is with you in everything that you do, every moment. How can I love thee, Lord my God, with every breath I take? And then meditation and action just flow so nicely into each other. And then with our meditation, how can we make it so that it, it's more, we use our inner life to deepen our evolution towards God. Well, we need to remember, even in our meditation, the poor you have always with you. The poor meditations will always be there. The time you, oh God, I'm so tired, I really don't want to meditate. Or, I'm trying, Lord, but I'm not getting anywhere. Every once in a while, I have to resist the thought, because it's tempting. You've been doing this for a long time, and I don't see so much progress coming from behind. I said that once to Swami some years ago. I, I said, I, I guess I was discouraged or something. I said, Swami, I don't see a lot of change in me after all these years. And he got kind of, not angry, but he responded very forcefully. And he said, how can you say that? You're an entirely different person than when you came. <laughs> I didn't see it. But don't get discouraged by the bad meditations. Don't get discouraged by your self-perceived lack of growth. You know, it's all in God's hands. And so keep at it. But remember, too, there will be moments, even in a restless meditation, where you feel a little touch of joy, where you feel a touch of love, or maybe a big touch of love. I, I remember, this was in the summer of 1970, so we're talking a lot of years ago. Swami was giving a satsang. It was at somebody's house here was no longer here and the house burned down in the fire. But he was giving a satsang. I was very new. It's my second year. And I had an experience. He just was, I think we meditated. It was sort of chaotic and it wasn't this great deep long meditation. But I had probably one of the deepest experiences of my life. From that moment to this moment where I just felt bliss. And I don't know why, but it just was there. And I knew enough to remember what had happened 50 years ago, that moment. And I try to draw on it in meditation. I try to remember, what was that? If you knew it once, you can know it again. So when you have a moment in meditation where you really feel like, oh, I was calm. I felt God's presence. 
I, I was, I felt uplifted. I felt bliss. Highlight it in your mind. Focus. Write it down. What it felt like. Don't think, oh, it'll always be there. Because believe me, you won't remember if you don't. Because it's on a different plane of consciousness from which we usually live. Similarly, sometimes I'll be going, I'll have a, be having a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden I'll get like a spiritual insight that I hadn't had before. I go and try to write it down. Because when you say, oh, I'll remember that later, you won't remember it later. It will, it's evanescent. It's ephemeral. And so capture those moments. M me, you have not always. So remember. Remember the experiences of meditation. Remember the insights that come. And, you know, and if you're having a good meditation, and um, then, oh my gosh, I've got to get to work. Forget about work. If you're having sincerely a good meditation, that's your highest priority. You know, Swami told the story, tells it in the, the New Path of when he was a young monk, and he would always get his lunch tray <clears throat> and then go and set it aside and then go and meditate for a half hour. Well, one day he was doing this, and he had this very deep, blissful meditation. And then he looked at his watch, and the time, half hour had passed. And he, said, and he thought, oh, well, my lunch is getting cold, and, you know, I, now that I've experienced this, I'll, I'll never lose it, dot, dot, dot. And he went and had his lunch, and he said, it was a long time before I ever experienced that again. And I'm so sorry I didn't just say, forget the lunch. Me, you have not always. I am here with you now. Stay with me. So remember that. Remember, even in the, even in the middle of activity, if you're, you know, whatever it may be, physical activity, gardening, electrical work, whatever it might be, if you feel a stillness, if you feel a joy, then stop for a moment and just highlight it. What is this? This is God. This is God being with me. And I'm too busy to stop and say, hello, I see you, I feel you, I'm so grateful that you have come. And so, how does, how does God come to us? How do devotees rise? How will I love thee, O oh my Lord, with every breath I take? I'm remembering, remembering that those moments are the, in meditation, in our daily activity are the most important moments in our life, the moments when we feel God's presence. And if we can just remember, remember where we've come from, where we're going. Sometimes I like to, in meditation, I had a very nice childhood, very sweet, very sattvic, very uplifted, and I, and I, I, I was surrounded by goodness and love. I was fortunate, not everyone has that. But I try to remember, what was that like when you were a little child and every day was filled with light and you, could, you just didn't feel like there was anything in this world that held you back. And so remember, whatever it is that you can recall of God's presence in your life, of upliftment, of light, of the joy you felt when you selflessly served without any recognition, all of those things, remember them, cling to them. 
And I, I want to close because I want to reread the passage from Whispers because there's two words in it that are very, very important. The words, even now. So that, let's just read it one more time. But what he says in there is, if all these things are distracting me, even now. And to admit it, yeah, I have sense desires. Yeah, I have bad habits. Yeah, I have indifference. Yeah, I have laziness. Even now. Even now in my life I have all these things. But it's not going to stop me. I am marching home. And with the grace of God, we will all find that home in God, which is what we are longing for above all else. And then we can say, Ye, Christ, Lord, Master, I have always with me. From the depths of slumber as I ascend, the spiral stairway of wakefulness, I will whisper, whisper, separation from thee, I will taste thee and mentally say, Spotlight of my mind will ever keep turning on thee, and in the battle din of activity, my silent war cry will be God, God, God. Boisterous storms of trials shriek, and when worries howl at me, I will drown their noises, loudly chanting, God, God, God. Dreams, dreams, with thread of memories, on that magic cloth will I emboss, God, God, God. Every night 
night in time of deepest sleep, when my peace dreams and calls joy, joy, my joy comes singing evermore. Eating, working, dreaming, sleeping, serving, meditating, chanting, divinely loving, my soul will constantly hum, unheard by anyone.